Welcome to Raised on D&D Podcast. Twice a month, Raised on D&D brings you inspirational interviews, tips, and strategies to enhance your family's gaming experience. Your host for Raised on D&D has been a game master for 30 years and father to three gamers. Here is Nick Cartarelli. Welcome back, gamers. I'm your host, Nick Cartarelli, and this is Raised on D&D. My next guest is from East Lansing, Michigan. She's an influencer on Instagram as GamerMomD12, a guest player on the Twitch stream Evermore with Everlore, but her principal job is raising three amazing boys with a passion for gaming. She's currently creating a dedicated gaming space in her home to facilitate more opportunities to play tabletop games with her family. Please welcome Brenda McKenzie. Hi, Brenda. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the show. Now, Brenda, why don't you take us back to your first experience with tabletop role-playing games and Dungeons and Dragons? Oh boy, I'm going to date myself here because my first experience would have been in the 80s and it was a Marvel game. I can't even tell you which dice we used. It was such a long time ago, but there were a couple of neighborhood kids. We got together and um, you know we, we made those characters and really had such a fun time exploring just being somebody else for a minute. Now, did you create your own superhero or did you get to pick your favorite Marvel superhero to play? I think they were actually prefab, if I remember correctly. So when we were exposed to uh, D&D later, it was like, what? I can do what? You know, um, so the expansion was amazing. You know, in the late 80s, early 90s, it was kind of a forbidden thing. And of course, the more they told us not to do it, the more exciting it was. Uh, In fact, here in East Lansing, there were rumors that there was like a cavern where people went and uh, we tried to explore to find this special cavern, uh, which was actually just a maintenance tunnel. And it it wasn't really anything. It was just kind of a silly mythology around the game. Well, don't tell Tom Hanks. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh my gosh, that movie was, that, that was the hysteria. And of course, like I said, it, it just made it all the more enticing for us as teenagers. <laughs> Fast forwarding, you're a wife and a mother. Your husband, does he play tabletop role-playing games as well? Oh, yes. Um, In fact, we just recently, as we were uh, building this game room, we've started to unpack the things that we've accumulated over the course of the last uh, 30 years, uh, a couple of decades worth. We have a Star Wars RPG, two different types. There's a D6 and a D20 version. We have a D&D 2E, which is what we played uh, predominantly. We have 5E. Uh, we have Everlore as well, which is the game by David Thompson. Oh my gosh, we have like really obscure, I'm, I'm looking around right now, we have really obscure ones like Um, that are based around uh, military factions in uh, Germany. Oh my goodness, we have so many of them. In fact, he's probably more of a gamer than I am um, as far as like his passion for it. Um, And knowing his passion, that's kind of what lights me up to make it a family thing. Everybody is wondering, did Dungeons and Dragons bring you two together? Is that how, is that how you guys met? Um, no, I think more of a, um, a 
a common like pop culture thing as we were talking to each other we liked all of the same nerd things um <laughs> you know all of the same you know marvel star wars and then of course it got to the D&D and he says well I'm I'm playing a campaign with these guys uh Star Wars uh campaign it was the D20 and I was like I'm in, um, you know, and, and it was something that we did spend a lot of time together uh, doing. And it was, you know, that's the ultimate date night for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love playing role-playing games with my wife at the table. She always figures out the plots and we gamed when we were younger and she really did it too because I asked her to, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but over time she started to really love it and creating her own characters and things like that. Uh, so it's fantastic when you share that passion. So how many children do you have, Brenda? I have three sons. My youngest just turned five about a couple weeks ago and my oldest will be nine in April. When did you first introduce them to tabletop role-playing games? So we've been uh, COVID-19, actually, uh, we've been cooped up. So, um, you know, as we were kind of going through things and exploring it, um, we noticed my oldest has a strong mathematical aptitude um, and he really loves storytelling and, and certain dynamics. And I said to my husband, I think he's ready. So we started playing with him. And then the six-year-old comes in and of course he does things like throw crackers to make the kobolds go away. You know, his, his gaming style is a little unique still. Um, and, you know, the, the now five-year-old uh, just kind of dances in and out. But I know that as they mature, their engagement is going to increase. And even when we're not actively playing, like not actively playing the dice, they've got the minifigures out, they're telling stories, they're problem solving. Sometimes even at the dinner table, we'll throw out like a, a scenario, like I'll just throw it out and say, what would you do? And listen to kind of what their feedback is and, and let them run away with it. And it's a lot of fun. That's fantastic. And, and mine are... Mine are a little bit older. They're 14, 13, just turned 12. So they're little stair steps. But we started them off really early. I actually remember the first time I sat them down with the dice and the miniatures. We always did like story time and things like that together. Cassandra, my wife, was off doing something else. And I made the mistake, by the way, of saying on social media that I was babysitting, which I got a lot of hell for. I understand yeah. <laughs> they're yours. You can't babysit them. Right. But I, in other words, I was left in charge. I was left uh, all by my lonesome. And uh, so I said, what do I do with them? And at the time they were five, four and almost three. Oh, wow. And yeah. So they were small. I said, I know what I'll do. I'll get the enlarged size dice for the smallest one, regular dice for the other two. And we'll put miniatures on the board. And I just did a little encounter, a little 30 minute, put some monsters on there, that kind of thing. And it, and it kind of took off from there, but I really had to water down rules for the little ones. And at that time there weren't games out there for their age group. Like uh, we had to go hunting for that stuff. And now there's all kinds of games for younger players and it's great. It's fantastic. Brenda, you've kind of grown up playing tabletop role-playing games, and now you've introduced it to your sons. Oh, what is the biggest benefit 
that you've seen this past year with all the lockdowns and all the extra quality time we've got to spend together with our families? What, what's some of the benefits that you've seen already uh, in just now introducing them to the game? Well, one of the strange phenomena is that through gaming together, they're working as a team. So they, in their day-to-day interactions, they're less oppositional to each other and they are more team-oriented. So they're looking for solutions. Um, They're actually less likely to say, I can't do that. Uh, More strength and confidence in their abilities because if you can take down a dragon, you can do anything. You know, so uh, it, it really has developed them from that standpoint. My oldest, it's influencing his schoolwork. Um, it's influencing his ability to craft stories and write. It, uh, it, it's just absolutely amazing how much it enriches them. You know, because it's just a game. It's not, though. I could actually base an entire homeschool curriculum on a role-playing game. There is so much there to help develop their uh, personalities and uh, just their character, literally developing their character. And that's incredible because with role-playing games, that communication, that ability, like you said, just to kind of see where their heads are at, what, how, how they're problem solving, um, how, what kind of solutions they're thinking of. A purposeful parenting joined with purposeful dungeon mastering can be very helpful when developing character and even ethics and how to handle all kinds of situations. Now, I know that your oldest is only nine, but has he has he started to catch that dungeon master bug yet? Um, a little bit. When he's when he's playing with the younger children, um, because he's the oldest, he's naturally the one who assumes that leadership role, and he definitely directs the gameplay. I posted a video. I guess I probably put it on Facebook. I should have put it on Instagram. But there was one time I had to grab my phone and record because the conversation was so wonderful. He asked his brother, he he put a scenario out in front of him and he's like, you've encountered, I I can't remember the specifics, but you've encountered this. Do you want to use your splash shield or do you want to use your laser eyes? And the youngest, he was four at the time, he says, I'm going to use my laser eyes. And he goes, well... You can. Are you sure you want to do that? You know, and, and kind of gave him a minute to backtrack. And he's like, yes, that's what I want to do. And he goes, well, you did that. And it, it kind of worked. But this is what happened as well. You know, and so he even came up with the consequence of making a choice that maybe, you know, wasn't in the situation wasn't the best one. And I apologize, I can't remember the specifics, but it was so good. And of course, I'm standing over there just beaming because I'm like, those are my boys. <laughs> I know that you guys are into comic books, Marvel, Star Wars, D&D, all, all of that, what's considered geek culture. So what else do you do with the boys um, other than tabletop role-playing games that kind of supports all of that? Uh, well, we have uh, a rich uh, assortment of instruments to help them, you know, have that kind of development, um, especially because I think a lot of people, one of the, a lot of people don't realize that uh, math can be found everywhere. And um, children in particular can get very frustrated by math. And so putting it into areas where 
it's not just figures on a piece of paper. So we help them find the math in music. We find the math in our gaming. And so we, that helps with their, with their math anxiety. I'm currently virtual schooling them because uh, we're still stuck at home for a little bit longer. Um, and that's been very, very challenging, um, but it's also been wonderful realized that our home wasn't set up for this. And so now the entire first floor of our home is uh, all centralized for activities that build their enrichment. So art supplies, um, their painting, uh, you know, playing instruments, their uh, gaming, just doing all of the different um, things that build them um, into their best selves. Have you noticed more creative outlets out of the boys thanks to the tabletop gaming? Oh, yes. Um, in fact, uh, I, there's a couple of framed artwork currently, monsters that they have drawn, especially my six-year-old. Oh, my gosh, his are the best. He will have, like, the, their armor is very, he's very articulate about what is in his armor and what abilities it has. And, it, you know, and everything is so much more colorful, like the way they speak, the way they draw. And you don't have to set them down and say, this is the activity I want you to do. They will gather those supplies and sit down and say, I was just thinking about this monster or this warrior or this, uh, this castle. And they, they really just really explore all of those different things. And I think it's because it opened up a world that they just never would have thought of before. Brenda, what, what advice do you have for moms like yourself that are so excited about this and, they, and they, they have younger children at home and they're just not sure if they're ready to bring them to the table yet? So what, what would be your advice for, for those gamer moms who are hesitant? Um, well, a lot of it for me anyways, I'm a, um, definitely a type of personality that could possibly micromanage people. <laughs> um, and I recognized that in myself and realized that uh, sometimes they are going to throw pretzels at kobolds um, and, you know, or they're going to get fixated on a pile of rocks that you did not have a story arc for. Um, and so you're going to have to be quick on your feet, but you just kind of roll with it and, and let them explore and, and let them have that, uh, that joy. And, you know, if they're, if they're, you know, like for instance, if the little one is just not engaged, that's okay. Um, he doesn't have to be engaged um, and keep it short and sweet. Um, they're, they're not as hardcore as we are as adults. They can't game for three hours and still want more. Um, you know, so shorter campaigns, uh, you know, quick 30 minute games, you know, if you can find them and just kind of really, I mean, and you do, you have to water it down a little bit, but they don't know what they don't know. So moms don't be hard on yourself because it's, it's going to be magical no matter what. And I took in a couple of pages from your book um, and we have really big theme events too. So, you know, the costumes, the food is centered around what's happening in the campaign. And they're so, we've really not had trouble with them not being all in because we make it such an event that they are 100% in. Uh, we had the, you know, Star Wars cosplay, and then we had a campaign that was, you know, just kind of played into that whole thing. And 
they just, they love it. I've even had, you know, in the middle of the day, they're like, do you think um, if I do this chore and this chore, we'll have time to sit down and play? And heck yeah. You know, so... <laughs> You got to love it when they volunteer to do chores so that they can play Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely. Uh, that, that is wonderful. And, you know, and I, I think that's when they, and they will eventually get to that point where you run a three hour game and they say, wait, but can't we stay up a little bit longer? And it's such a great feeling because you realize they want to spend time with their parents. They want to be around the table. They want to spend time with their siblings. I mean, Mm -hmm. as they get closer to where mine are at with that uh, late elementary, middle school, even early high school, that's so important that that bond is is there. Because honestly, four days, five days out of the week, Mine don't want to spend time together. They don't want to, they're annoyed by the way the other one breathes. But Mm -hmm. when we get around that table, suddenly everybody is a team again. And it's a great, great feeling. Playing together really has strengthened that too, because yeah, the, the house has gotten very small. Um, you know, just in general, uh, we're used to going to zoos and museums and, and things like that. And, you know, there are just not as many options as there were before. Um, but we've realized we don't have to go to that museum or that zoo. The weather doesn't stop the game. Um, you know, all of those factors uh, don't even come into play. You can be in any kingdom, anywhere, at any time. And what a great escapism, especially for the children during that crisis because they, mine I know were cut off from their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't this, uh, you know, Sunday night hanging out with their buddies, um, going to the park, going outside to play, that sort of thing. It wasn't there like they had been accustomed to it. And so mm-hmm. we as adults used uh, tabletop role-playing games to escape uh, the monotony and the mundane and and children need that escape as well because to be honest sometimes the video games and the tv uh, and the streaming just isn't uh, isn't giving them the interaction that they need and you're absolutely right any any kingdom any world any setting any time that's a that's a great way uh, to get away and Brenda, can you uh, share with us a time when the when the boys did something that just kind of surprised you in the game that you weren't you you presented them with a with a scenario and you just weren't expecting them to handle it the way they did? So the most recent one was uh, a pile of rocks in a cave, and I just could not figure out why they were so fixated on it. Um, and and when we concluded that day, I had to make a decision: was I should I create some kind of you know story for this? And I ended up turning them into dragon eggs. Um, but you you can't they will do that you just are not anticipating um especially my six-year-old he's the funniest because he aiden is very pragmatic and he's very his his moral compass is is very solid and and you know right is right and everything is absolute and there's no 
there's no variance there, but Elliot is absolutely a wild card. You just don't know where he's going to go with something. Um, and just the things he says, uh, my favorite thing that he does is he thinks that um, a bad guy can be persuaded to become good by being kind or loving him or helping him, um, finding a way to not, he doesn't think that you have to strong arm. Um, that's not his method. He really thinks that, you know, some people just need a hug and he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's wonderful that you recognize that and you don't want to squash that. Um, I can tell you from experience that uh, I've had a lich be invited to a picnic and be given a strong talking to about how he has a bad alignment and needs a good alignment from my oldest when she was around that age. So, oh so yes, uh, hugs, picnics, and strong talking to's to bad guys. Sometimes you, you want to just go ahead and let that work and give them the XP for, for working it out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It, it, and I, I remember we had a, a conversation with a dragon once where, um, you know, he was trying his his kindness tactic. Um, and the dragon, I decided, was not, you know, because Aiden needed some action. <laughs> the oldest needed some action. So the dragon wasn't exactly amenable to, you know, the, the uh, soft, soft touch. Um, and, you know, it had to, it had to go that other direction, but it, I definitely quite a few times I, you know, I'm playing off the cuff because it is very spontaneous as far as what, uh, almost what lesson I want the children to take away, like what I want their, um, you know, as they're walking away, what they, uh, add to their, their character, like what they add to, uh, a sense of right and wrong. Um, or a, uh, a way of, you know, that sometimes you'll do something and it doesn't work and that's okay. You know, there's another way to find a solution or, you know, sometimes it just doesn't, sometimes you lose and that's okay. And, and there have been, and they will say this for other moms too, there may be meltdowns and uh, there, you know, they may not take something very well. And you just got to kind of talk them through it and, you know, get them back to the table if you can. But if they're, if they're not okay with it, I kind of let it go. And then we talk about it later. Like, you know, tell me what you were feeling, like what was going on that caused that reaction, you know, cause they certainly don't want to do anything that's um, hurtful to them. But I also, you know, I don't want them to be bad losers either. Cause Sometimes it just doesn't work out. <laughs> uh, my, my middle one has a, used to have a real hard time. I say used to, but hasn't recently had a hard time with not, not even just losing, just, just the disappointment. We were playing a Star Wars RPG recently, and he wanted to be the guy who did the kill shot on the on the Gamorian guard, uh, the big boss, and uh, everybody was shooting at this guy, and somebody else took him out, and he he got upset. He got up away from the table. He walked away, and we just kind of let him calm down. And then when it came back to his turn, we said, "Hey, it's your turn. Are you coming back?" And 
he made his way back, which was huge progress for us from where he had been in years past. So, mm-hmm. and that, and you're absolutely right that being patient, not making a big deal about it. If they got to step away from the table and take a breather, you let that happen. If he hadn't come back, we would have just kept going without him. So the, and that's, and I think that's uh, the best way to do it because you're not taking away from the children who are playing and who are paying attention, who are handling it well. And at the same time, you're not, you're not making tabletop role-playing games with the family something uh imposed upon so yeah I, th- I think that's really really good brenda i can't thank you enough for being on the show today what an inspiring story what a wonderful family you have i'm so glad that the benefits of tabletop role-playing game are making the mckenzie house all that much better even in a crisis and we wish you a happy mother's day thank you so much Thank you so much. I really appreciate you inviting me and giving me this opportunity to talk about just how much joy there is and and what a huge part of uh, family life it can be.